if you think about what happens, especially as a private practice owner, where you don't have this big corporate structure behind you doing all the backing and with uh, organization charts and standard operating procedures and all that kind of stuff, you can find yourself slipping into this state of one reactivity to where you're reacting to everybody's questions or problems or concerns about the business and what's going on, or just falling into really a state of doing jobs that other people should be doing. Hello, welcome to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Hey everybody, this week I'm doing a solo podcast, basically because I had a conversation with a practice owner and it had it got me thinking about some of the things we do or don't do as practice owners that maybe make us feel like we're just spinning our wheels or that we're just tired of running the business, maybe we're disengaged, we don't want to do it anymore, we're stressed, whatever it happens to be. So um, hopefully you enjoy this conversation or this little monologue, I guess. I did create a video on this topic and posted that on YouTube. I'll put the the link to that in the show notes below if you'd rather see my face while I'm talking. Um, but this this is basically the audio from that video. So without further ado, uh, here's me talking about ways to become re-energized as a practice owner. What's up? I'm Rafi from Rehab You Practice Solutions, and I want to talk to you today about if you're a practice owner, you own a business, you own maybe one location practice or multiple uh, locations, and you're just burnt out or you're stressed, you're just not engaged in the business anymore, what are some of the things that you can do to get re-energized again at work? Let's dive right in. So I was talking with somebody the other day, he runs a practice, and it's 15 clinicians that work for him. So he's not involved in daily practice anymore. He's basically managing the business, and he's got 15 clinicians doing the direct service or the, the direct service delivery in the practice. And he was just telling me that there's there's a lot of stress. Obviously, we've been coming out of just a time with a pandemic and now heading into what is potentially a, a pretty significant recession if the numbers play out the way they're supposed to or the, or the way they're being predicted to play out. So it can be very stressful. He's trying to find some a clinician to work, or a clinician or two to work, and it can be difficult to recruit, retain, engage clinicians. Now we've done an article, or I did an article and a couple of podcasts on recruiting and retaining clinicians, and I'll link to those in the show notes below. So you can go read and or listen to those. That was before we were doing video podcasts, so you can't watch, unfortunately. Um, but I do have a planned article and video coming up in the next, probably it'll be two weeks, about how to build a culture at your practice or at your your facility, if you would, that leads to better and improved clinician and clinical staff uh, recruitment and retention and all that kind of stuff. But we'll dive into that in a couple weeks. So. Um, so he was telling me that he's just he's feeling burnt out and he doesn't know what to do. He's thought about selling the business. He's thought about walking away. He's thought about trying to find a manager to kind of run it, but he just didn't know what to do. 
And we had a conversation and I just some of the, the things that we talked about and some of the potential solutions we came up with or we brainstormed really, to me, seemed like something that's more applicable to everybody. So I decided I'd, I'd share them here. So what I've got is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, maybe six, because two of them could be merged into one uh, topic, but uh, six or seven solutions or strategies or decisions you could make as a business owner or a clinic owner that could help you regain some kind of engagement or fulfillment or basically just not being somebody that cries a little bit inside when you hit the alarm clock <laughs> in the morning. So let's dive right in. I'm going to share all seven with you and then we'll get, go into each one individually. So number one, sell the business. Pretty straightforward. Number two, uh, take inventory of your daily tasks, and we'll dive a lot more in depth into that in a minute here. Things about essentialist work patterns and, and stuff like that. Um, look for opportunities to innovate within the business or challenge and grow your organization or your team. Reconnect with your purpose. Merge, and this is the one that I said could possibly be squished together with sell the business. I broke them up because the end outcome for the owner could be drastically different whether you sell or whether you merge, right? And then there's working as a clinician again or expanding or creating some new kind of service line or clinical focus area. Let's dive into the first one. Sell the business. Obviously, if you're not engaged anymore, you want out of the business, you're tired of running the day-to-day -day tasks of it and worrying about payroll every couple weeks and the stress of making sure you're keeping census at a, at a certain rate, whatever the case may be, sometimes it makes sense to simply sell the business and walk away, especially if you've got something on the side. This individual that I was talking about um, earlier when we were having our conversation mentioned to me that he's already doing some real estate stuff, right? Um, so he's got some houses that he's been flipping or rental properties or whatever the case may be. And really what he wants is a way to keep doing that. So in that situation where you've got a business that, that is profitable still, is cash flowing positively, that could be sold for some kind of multiple of net earnings, it's gonna give you a, a significant cash cushion, it might make sense to sell the business and walk away and use the funds from the sale to finance whatever the next venture is. There are some folks that I know that have sold their practice and started another practice in another specialty area or sold their practice and moved cross country and then opened up another practice there or something like that. So that's an option too. The reality is when we build businesses as clinic owners, healthcare entrepreneurs, we forget often that while this thing that we've built is providing cash flow and is financing our lifestyle, if you would, in addition to doing well, hopefully, by, uh, by the patients and the clients that we're serving, it is still an asset. And there are pieces and components of that business that can be parceled off and sold um, to, to really capitalize or to, uh, to realize the value that you've created in this business, especially if you've been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, you could have some significant equity at, at play there that you could capitalize on. So sell the business. Um, if you're interested in selling your practice, primarily in the PTOT SLP space, We've done an interview with Mike Pekatowski from Physical Therapy Brokers. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And you can find his contact information there. I don't do mergers and acquisitions a lot, 
that. I'm not involved in that. I've done a little bit of the advisement on some valuations, but really Mike is the guy that if somebody's looking to sell their business or get their business ready to sell, or they're looking at purchasing on the investor side, I always point people to him. He's great. He's been in the PT world for years. He's done a lot of very big deals and has worked on both sides on the buy side and the sell side. He's somebody that to talk to if you're looking at potentially selling your business or investing in multiple businesses in the PT space. So number two would be take inventory of your daily tasks. Now I did this myself in the business. I advise my clients to do this all the time. But if you think about what happens, especially as a private practice owner, where you don't have this big corporate structure behind you doing all the backing and with uh, organization charts and standard operating procedures and all that kind of stuff, you can find yourself slipping into this state of one reactivity to where you're reacting to everybody's questions or problems or concerns about the business and what's going on, or just falling into really a state of doing jobs that other people should be doing, right? Either people that you're paying to do or people that you need to hire and <laughs> to put in place to do those jobs. And this really came about, for me anyways, personally, maybe even a, even as early as a year ago or as, as, as recently as a year ago. Um, I think it's something that we always have to reevaluate. So I've made a commitment to do this once a year. I might do it more depending on, <laughs> on how fast we grow. But... I read a book called uh, Essentialism, and I can't remember who wrote it, but again, I'll link to it in the show notes. And part of the, the main premise of this book is that you try to focus on doing less but more. So doing less activity or investing less time in the quote unquote work or work activities, but getting more benefit or creating more value out of that time. Oftentimes, at least I've experienced this as a, as a practice owner. I run a fairly small practice. There's only seven or eight clinicians, a couple admin staff. We're doing probably about 500 visits a month, five to 600 visits a month, give or take. So it's not like we're doing super, super big volume, but because we're small, I find myself getting pulled into a lot of things that are not my highest and best use, right? So what I did and what I've encouraged a lot of clients to do since I did this at the beginning of the year and what I've have committed to doing every January. I might do it, like I said, halfway through the year. We'll kind of see how this, this next iteration goes here. Um, but what I did in January is I sat down and I just created a spreadsheet. And the spreadsheet was uh, my time or the time broken up. And I think I had it broken up into 30 minute segments because no one's really doing any real work in less than 30 minutes, right? <laughs> right? So 30 minute segments for the whole day, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all the work days. And then next to the time, I had activity or task and uh, comments or notes. So it was, I, I had a time for, or a, a slot for, okay, from eight, eight to 8.30, I did X, Y, Z, and then the notes about that. So what I did was I just tracked it for a week. For, so for a week, everything that I did within my normal work hours went on that spreadsheet. And not only did the activity or the task itself go on the spreadsheet, but my own notes about it. And whether it was a note to myself, like, I don't want to ever do this again, or a note that said something like, okay, this was, you know, somebody called out and I had to do this, but this is not a typical, you know, Tuesday morning activity for me or whatever it happened to be. But by the end of the week, I sat down or the following week, I sat down and I had an entire list of basically what my work week looked like for the past week. And then I just took inventory of the stuff that was on that list. 
And on the side, another column, I made a list of, or another sheet, I made a, a list of the activities that I knew I absolutely had to do. Priority, uh, priority task, whether it be business front-end business development, whether it be lead generation, whether it be working on some of the policies and procedures that I've, I wanted to create, or revenue generating task, content creation, that sort of thing. And I put that all on the items that were top priority. And on top of that, because I run the clinic, but I also work with clients on a consulting basis, there had to be time in the day for that kind of stuff too. And what I ended up doing was coming up with a quote unquote ideal week. And that week was basically a mirror image of the, the structure from the actual uh, recording of, of the previous week. So it had time, it had activity, and then it had notes. And what I did was I looked at the list that was top priority. And then in the in that sheet of what the ideal week looked like, I found a slot for all of those prime activities. And that ended up meaning for me, like Fridays, I don't treat at all. I don't work in the clinic. All I really do is either content creation or working with clients, doing client calls and client work and then you know splitting it up in different days as well but once the top priorities were filled in i went back and looked at the previous week that i what i actually did right and i looked and i i saw and i noticed patterns that okay i really like doing my writing for example at 9 a.m on monday i'm just making this up 9 a.m on monday what was taking my time at 9 a.m on monday that kept me from doing what I really wanted to do or enjoyed or was a revenue generating task for me. And what I did was ended up parsing out those tasks or those activities. I highlighted them all and then I just I looked at them and said, okay, is this something that I'm already paying somebody to do? And if it is, let's get it over onto their, ta their, their daily task sheet. Or is it something that I need to find somebody to do? Or is it something that's not even worth my time and I shouldn't be doing at all? And at the end of that process, it, like I said, it took about two weeks because I tracked it for a week and then I looked at my spreadsheet, looked at the patterns, and then over the next week developed what my ideal work week would look like. And then, you know, like I said, I'll probably re-look re at this next January or this coming January. It's November right now. So in a couple months, I'll look at it again, probably track the first couple weeks and then, you know, develop my, my ideal work week for the, for the coming year or something like that. But just simply taking the time, especially if you're stressed, you're overworked, you feel like you're, you're just done running the business, running the practice. If you take a look at what you're actually doing in a given week and then comparing that to what you know you need to be doing or what you want to be doing, you will often find that there's a very big discrepancy. There are things on that list that you are doing that you shouldn't be doing. And there's things on the list of things that you know our priorities or you know you should be doing that aren't on your daily task list. So find a way to reconcile those and you're going to wake up, one, feeling peaceful because you're gonna be doing the work you know you need to be doing and a lot less stressful about those random things that are coming up and taking your time, right? Okay, number three is look for opportunities to innovate or to challenge yourself or the business and grow. Not that expansion or ever expanding businesses is ideal or something that you should be interested in or looking into. However, as an entrepreneur or somebody that went into business in healthcare, part of the most exciting time, also maybe some of the stressful time, but some of the most exciting time is when you're 
building something, right? You're instituting new policies, you're exploring or experimenting with new business development ideas or new marketing ideas or new service delivery ideas, whatever it happens to be. When you're building something, it just takes a lot more and makes you focus a little bit the creative side of your brain on the problem, on fixing the problem or finding uh, potential solutions for the problems uh, that you're trying to solve. And that in and of itself is much more engaging work. It makes you feel like you're actually doing something of value or of merit. So I always tell folks, if you've been kind of stagnant in the business and you're just done, you, you're stressed, you don't want to run it anymore, whatever it happens to be, when was the last time you innovated or thought about innovating or thought about um, maybe it's a new type of service at the clinic or maybe it's maybe it is expanding who knows whatever that whatever whatever that innovation or that challenge might be that area of growth it could be growth for the business or personal or team growth and on the on the video forthcoming about building a culture I will talk a little bit about that as well, like the value of challenging your team and how that in and of itself helps build a culture that is fun to work at, but we'll talk about that later. Looking for opportunities for innovation and growth can really reconnect you to just doing creative work that is fun and exhilarating or um, challenge you in a way that you feel that it's worth putting in the effort, right? Okay, the fourth point reconnect with your purpose. Now, this might sound a little chintzy, and I hear it all the time from folks too, and I'm, I'm one of those people that when people start talking about mission, vision, values, purpose, all that kind of stuff, a lot of times I find it to be very superficial. It sounds great on paper, but what does it really mean, you know? For me, and when I talk to clients about this topic in particular, or the team at the clinic, reconnecting with your purpose really is not just about writing it on the on the wall or the whiteboard and kind of, you know, what does it mean to be, you know, proactive or rehab you or whatever we are? None of that. What I mean by reconnecting with your purpose is really just take time to think about what got you into, one, the field, healthcare in general, and I, we'll talk about this in a little bit as well. What, what made you choose healthcare as a career, as a profession or a vocation or a calling is really what it, what it is, right? And then what are you doing in your daily work? Again, these, these are kind of building on each other. If, you, if you've done an essentialist work list or whatever, and you've got your daily tasks, what on those daily tasks is in any way directly connected to what got you into healthcare as a profession? Is it something like, I wanted to improve care for people or I wanted to help people, right? Sometimes it's just a matter of reconnecting what you're doing to that ultimate purpose or that ultimate end. And it might not be, again, it might not involve you making any big, drastic, dramatic shifts at the business or your daily workday, but sometimes just connecting the dots mentally is enough to make you feel reinvigorated or that the work that you're doing is actually valuable and meaningful in the world. So reconnect with purpose. Number five would be merge. Now, again, this could have been lumped in with sell the business. However, the outcomes for the business owner are drastically different whether you sell the business or whether you merge, right? So if you, if you sell the business, potentially there's some kind of service commitment, an earnout maybe, or just some kind of standing service commitment that after the sale you're gonna work with or for the, the company that bought your practice for X number of years, months, whatever. But then after that, you're kind of done. There's, 
an employment agreement maybe or a consulting agreement that happens afterwards. But other than that, there's really no ties to you and the business long term. It's a couple years or a defined period of time. When you merge, potentially, you're talking about bringing on partners. And maybe you are going to be doing some of the other things on this list. It will be expansion. It will be looking at new service areas or opportunities or new service offerings to create. Uh, it'll probably involve reconnecting with your purpose, your mission, vision, values. Um, and then it's going to totally challenge what you're doing in the daily, in your daily tasks, right? So merging could affect all of the, the items on the list previously. Um, but one of the benefits of merging is that, again, you kind of get back into that entrepreneurial building something phase, which is great for the just the mental and the creative work. But then also it increases the opportunities. One, you could potentially be adding a lot of equity or a lot of value into the business that you're now building with whoever these partners are. Um, it could expand your geographical reach. And again, sometimes just the challenge of something new is enough to get you reinvigorated about work. It could also be one of those things that you've always thought about doing in the back of your mind that you haven't done, right? Whether you're a, a physical therapist, for example, and you've always thought about maybe adding speech language pathology or occupational therapy or connecting with a chiropractor or a massage therapist, the, the act of merging might be able to be a way of giving you that, right? Like you, maybe you can merge with an occupational therapist and now you, you're doing double the patients potentially because you're now adding another discipline to the patients that you're already serving and you're adding a discipline to the patients they're already serving. So merger could be a, a way to kind of boost your engagement again, get reinvigorated about the business. Obviously, you're going to want to talk to a lawyer and make sure everything looks good on paper. <laughs> um, but it's an option. Number six. Now, this is one that kind of when I've I've mentioned this a couple times to a couple different clients. And when I have their eyes got about this big, and they're like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but one of them took me up on it and said, you know what, I kind of like this. Um, number six would be work as a clinician again. Hopefully the business is running at a clip where you've got systems and processes in place that it's not going to fall apart without you walking away for a little bit. Um, and you can do this one of two ways, right? You could just totally put somebody in charge to run the practice while you go back to full-time clinical work. What most people find though, is that, and most clinic owners that I've worked with and consulted with find, is that really just adding a day or two in the clinic, an afternoon or two in the clinic is enough to kind of reconnect you again, reconnect you with that purpose, the mission, the vocation, the calling of healthcare. It also gives you great insights into how your business is running, the areas that need to be improved or that maybe processes that need to be outlined more, defined more for streamlining or efficiency purposes. And it gives you, again, a connection with the reason behind you're doing the the reason behind you doing what you're doing, right? Maybe it's connecting with the clients again. Maybe it's getting, you know, frontline staff and clinicians involved in a way that you can't simply do when you're in in the office running the business. You know, um, I talked to somebody recently who they were very apprehensive about working again because they didn't want to get sucked into like the productivity and and just being a clinician again. However, what they discovered was they really enjoyed, and this person had 20 plus years of clinical experience, they really enjoyed working with their frontline staff, their entry-level staff that they really didn't know because they had hired so many. And this person just loved getting back into the clinic and becoming a mentor to new staff. And that's something that now they're not working direct patient care anymore. They kind of moved out of that. 
but they've kept on their schedule a slot for in-services and trainings and clinical rounds and that, that sort of thing. So now this person has, has added onto their plate and they feel invigorated about doing it, the component of staff development and mentorship. So sometimes just stepping back into the clinic a little bit is enough to kind of give you an, an opening or a vision of what your what your day could look like or one of those things that maybe you took for granted that you really want to do again, right? And then the last would be expand or create a new service offering or focus. So like I mentioned previously, the simple act of building or creating something new targets different parts of your brain. <laughs> you're using your creative side, you're problem solving, and it can be really meaningful work. I'm not going to dive too much into it. We have done an article, or I've written an article, it's on the website, uh, called What Now? How to Expand Your, or Position Your Practice for Growth and Expansion. And I'll link to that in the show notes below. But basically, there's a very simple process that you can use for deciding if you want to expand or if you want to innovate or create some kind of new service offering, how do you go about doing it? It's basically, without sounding too cheesy, a Venn diagram of your clinical expertise, the market need, and then how it fits into your mission, vision, values. And uh, I'll link to that again in the show notes below. You can you can read it at your leisure. So those are the seven uh, opportunities, if you would, or seven options that you could pick if you're super burnt out or you're just un disengaged from your practice and you're thinking about why do I even do this anymore, maybe one of the items on this list sparks something in you that you can take and, and implement. If nothing else, I always encourage people, just look at your daily tasks. Look at that, what you're actually spending your time on and then comparing it to what you want to be or what you know you need to be spending your time on. All right, that's it. Until the next time, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Well, Hope you enjoyed that little monologue about re-energizing yourself as a practice owner. I know I talk to a lot of practice owners every week, and that is one of the most common things that I hear is either that they're stressed about running the business, which I feel like owning a business is just stressful. That's part of it. I mean, if you haven't woken up in a cold sweat wondering where payroll is going to come from, <laughs> um, it's either that they're stressed or that they just feel like, why am I doing this anymore? Like, what's the point? I don't feel like I want to keep investing my time, my energy, my effort because X, Y, Z. It's not you know, turning you on when you wake up, whatever it happens to be. And sometimes it can be as simple as just changing what you're doing or structuring your day so that you're working on those things that really energize you, um, which is why I always tell everybody that I talk with, that I work with, just take the time to track what you're doing on a daily and a weekly basis and then compare that to what you really think you ought to be doing or what you want to be doing and then, you know, fix the delta, right? There's going to be a difference between what you're actually doing, what you should be doing. And if you can get those things to come more and more in alignment, then you're going to be more energized about work because you're going to be working on those you know, you're going to be putting your skills and your energy and your talents to your highest and best use. So that's all I've got to say about that. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. If you want to be notified whenever we drop a new episode, you can head on over to betteroutcomes.show or rehabupracticesolutions.com. Click on the tab under insights for podcasts and just sign up there. We'll send you the 
the episodes, the show notes, all all the all the stuff that you normally get, right? <laughs> right. We'll send that to you whenever we drop an episode, which tends to be every other week. Sometimes you'll get a bonus episode on the off weeks. And it's time for me to make my shameful plug about the book. So Better Outcomes, A Guide to Humanizing Healthcare was published by Business Expert Press back in October of 2022. And it is, again, available for purchase via hardcover or Kindle. And I'm sure it's wherever you you buy books, Barnes and Nobles, all the places. There is talk in the works about an audible version, an audiobook version which if I can get my act together will hopefully launch before the end of this year in 2022, but if not, maybe Q1 of 2023. If that's something you really want, <laughs> um, I've had a couple of people say, man, I'm not gonna read a book, but I'll listen to an audiobook." book. Uh, if that's something you, wanna, you want me to, to put to the front burner, just shoot me an email, rafi at rehabupracticesolutions.com and I'll get right on it. Um, until the next time, folks, be safe, be healthy. I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.